thank you so much for that very warm welcome. Uh, thank you much uh, to Pastors Jim and the team too for the kind invitation to be with you today. I'm super excited about it. Uh, this is not my first time in Press Week. You know, I've been, I've been at the airport a few times, but the very first time I've, I came to Press Week, I was 17. I'd been a Christian about five weeks and uh, in East Kilbride, uh, which is my hometown, and uh, a friend and I had heard about a religious, uh, I hate the term, but you know, religious convention that was going on in Air Town Hall. And we thought, well, what can be wrong with that? Let's go. So we walked from East Kilbride up across the Eaglesham Moor down the side of the A77, through Presswick, and we got there. And I was thinking, that was, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I have to say, that's about the longest ever walk in my life. Okay, uh, so we, we walked down there on the Saturday afternoon, went to the thing in the night, and then walked home, right, you know, <laughs> across the moor. It was, it was like madness. I was just reminded of I stood there, uh, absolutely pitch black, uh, walking across the moors there, uh, and we did that a few times, actually. And I think, were we mad? No, we were just really, really hungry uh, for the things of God. And that has been something that has been in my life, and I pray in yours too, uh, that, you know, you've got a hunger chasing after God and what He wants to do in your life. Now, for those of you who don't know me, uh, you've heard my name, David. I was born in East Kilbride, and when I was 21, uh, I left East Kilbride and went to London to go to the Salvation Army's training college. I got saved in the Salvation Army Church in East Kilbride, and I went to train to be a Salvation Army pastor. That was 1983. That was a long time ago. And I didn't actually come back to Scotland other than to visit family and friends and stuff like that. Uh, until two years ago. And so it was a, a long time over the border. Uh, once trained, uh, we, we led churches uh, in various different places across England. And uh, the long story short, in two sentences, I haven't got much time, is that about four years ago, God started speaking to my wife and I, stirring our hearts for something fresh and new in Scotland. And I, I hope that doesn't sound too... Um, pride-filled genuinely was. We were just listening to the Lord quite peacefully on our holidays, and we felt God stir us for my home nation, and, and my wife's parents were born in uh, Scotland too. Uh, and the long story short of all of that is over a period of two years, uh, God got our attention and got us here, and we arrived in Hamilton, six miles from where I was born, uh, two years ago now, and we have been leading the Harvest Church there. Um, but when we arrived there, the Harvest Church knew this. We, we have love and appreciation for that uh, great church, and we are, we're praying that God will make it thrive, as your church too. But our hearts are split between that local church and Scotland. We want to see this nation absolutely won back to Jesus. Great. I love to hear your heart, and, uh, and particularly the west of Scotland. Now, as in most of my ministry, I haven't got much of a clue what I'm doing, other than I, I set out when I was 16 to always say yes to what Jesus told me to do. And I know it sounds oversimplistic, and you could do a whole series of messages on how to hear God and how to respond. But putting it bluntly, when you hear God directing you, the greatest thing you can do is hear it and respond and be obedient. And then you just follow your nose from there on in and you'll get into all sorts of scrapes and so on. Um, I could tell you loads. Um, a very, very quickly one. Uh, years ago, we were sitting in this uh, convention thing and just minding our own business, as often is the case uh, when God speaks to me. And in the middle of a worship song, the Lord gave me the word Lublin. 
Right, and I thought, I've never heard that word before. Again, that happens to me a lot. So I get my wee book out, which I carry around with me all the time, and I scribbled it down. Afterwards, um, there wasn't any Google or anything like that then. That's how long ago it was. Um, so we had to go to the library and search and find out where was, what is Lublin. It's a place. Turns out it's on the eastern border of Poland with um, Russia and Ukraine and all the rest of it. And um, anyway, long story short, we felt, well, what we just, you go there, said the Lord. And so we, bought, we got tickets and we went there. We stood in the town square for three days, prayer walking. Heather walked around and prayed while I sat and drank coffee. And then, and then I prayer walked around while Heather sat and drank coffee. Yeah, I get the gist. And, and you know what amazing thing happened? Absolutely nothing. Right. We, we went there and we, we, we felt we were obedient and we really were praying that God, you know, something amazing would happen. You know, somebody would walk up and say, oh, yeah, we were praying and you're here, you know, a Scottish person. Nothing like that happened. But what did happen is that God sealed in our heart a principle, which I speak to you now in Jesus' name, is that when you obey him in small things, and that was a fairly major thing, but when you obey him in small things, he prepares you to obey him in bigger things. Now, often in our Christian, I haven't even started my message yet, so I've got to watch that. Oh, the sun's shining on the clock. I can't see it. Okay. Uh, but you just get that thing. So often in our Christian lives, we want, to, we want the big thing to happen. We want to be called to whatever and do this amazing big thing. But my experience has been that just follow Jesus, follow your nose, as it were, where he leads you in the small things, and he prepares you in those moments so that you'll say yes when big things. So moving to Scotland for us was a big thing. We had to give up our work, sell our house, leave our children and grandchildren down there, move up to Scotland. I, I know we can travel back and forward, but we were just around the corner from them before. So those are, those are big things. But when Jesus calls, because you've prepared your heart and mind and practice in small things, the big things come along. So I, I speak that over you too, because I know that you as a whole congregation, I just know, I can sense it in my spirit, you're people who are obedient to what God's saying. And I believe, really do believe, when I was praying for you the last two or three weeks, that God has got big things for you individually, together, and for this community here. If you want a, a kind of title, I know I, I watched last week's message, David was great, wasn't he? And, and I liked the fact he had a title. I don't usually do that, so I thought I better get a title for this, otherwise... <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm not even going to even match David, right? So here is, I asked the Lord for this, and here it is. Let the hand of God rest on you. When I asked him, would you want me to say, I mean, it would be really good if you could get, give me permission to use an old sermon. That would be great, because it would save a load of time. But I heard the Lord say, no, there's, a, there's this word, and this word is, would you say to these people, let the hand of God rest on you. And that's going to be an amazing thing. Now, when I started praying into this and thinking about it, I was thinking about the hand of God. I know you're all really powered up religious people, right? Uh, faith-filled people. My very first thought was Maradona. Okay, <laughs> I have to say, uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, in 1986, he scored what is called, uh, the goal is called the hand of God goal. And the, 
the ball that he allegedly put in the goal, in the goal by his hand, the hand of God ball, sold for more than two million pounds just recently, right? So this is folklore. Now, Maradona, this was the first of two goals he scored in the World Cup, uh, unfortunately putting out the old enemy, 2-1, um, out of the World Cup. He scored two goals, and when he was asked about this, the first goal, the one that he pushed in with his hand, allegedly, he said this, he said it was scored a little with the head and a little with the hand of God. Okay, I thought that was great. Now, of course, as I say, uh, you are really much more generously spiritual than me, so you were probably thinking uh, about other things as soon as I said that. God's, maybe other pictures, God's hand on your head, maybe, anointing you with all that He has for you. Or maybe the picture of a father's hand with a small child. You know, you can get that picture, can't you? Uh, with a small child in tow. He's gently leading you and us. Or maybe the intimacy of walking down, you know, Presswick Beach, just the two of you, hand in hand, hand in hand walking along. Or maybe that little shove that you give a child on, gentle shove, you give a child when you're trying to get them to learn to go a bike. You know, that thing you just, they're kind of getting it, half getting it, and you just give them a gentle hand, a gentle push, and off they go. Well, I don't know what, um, they're all great images of Father God resting his hand on us, but they hardly come close to the biblical perspective of God's hand on us. We could do a whole study on this for weeks, but I haven't got time. Do not fear, says God, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. And you know this, don't you? Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. His hand is with you. His hand leads us into new and deeper experiences of himself, Ezekiel 37.1. The hand of the Lord was on me, says Ezekiel, and he brought me out, uh, out by the Spirit uh, to the middle of the valley full of dry bones. The hand of the Lord takes him there. Uh, the hand of the Lord guided the first apostles in outreach to Acts 11.21. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. So, would you let the hand of God rest on you? Today, I mean, I don't mean theoretically. I, I, I definitely mean now. Would you say with me, this is for me too, and would you, oh, Holy Spirit of God, would you put your hand on me now? Would you bless me and encourage me? Whether you're a long-experienced Christian or absolutely new to the faith, whatever you are in that spectrum, I declare that God has more for you than you've experienced in the past. 1 Corinthians 2.9, what God has planned for people who love him is more than eyes have seen or ears have heard. It is never even entered our minds, what God can do. My translation of that is it's never even entered my tiny mind, right? What God has got planned for me and for you and for those who love him. So let the hand of God rest on you. I was drawn then to the prayer of Jabez, which many of you will know so well, because it brings a word of affirmation and encouragement that he is for us, he is with us, he wants breakthrough in our lives as much as we do. You know the prayer, don't you? First Chronicles 4, verse 10. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. There it is. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. 
So for the next moment or two, I want to pick up that central phrase in that prayer there. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm. And just uh, can see how that would apply to us. And as you listen, I pray that God will speak to your heart and bless you and encourage you. And we will pray in a minute or two that the Holy Spirit of God will come and put his hand on us for what we need out in this season. Is that okay? Okay, right. So before I get started, just turn to your neighbor, give them a high five. Say, I'm glad you're here. Okay. And do it back and say, I'm glad you're awake. Right. Awesome. Okay. So who wouldn't want to pray that prayer? Lord, let your hand be with me and keep me from harm. I mean, it's one prayer, but two phrases, two wonderful prayers that we can pray for our life. The first of those speaks of God's hand, I believe, of power and anointing in our life. And the second, guidance and protection. We'll see if we can get that far, uh, keeping us from harm. God's hand is open to you, his children. We sung about it a moment or two ago. He wants us to grow and to prosper, to be in good health to have increased influence here and around us and breakthrough, whatever that means, in our lives. So as we start digging into these two sentences, we're asking God to do something that he wants to do. We're not begging him to go against his will and purpose. He wants to bless us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to strengthen us. He wants us to break through in areas of our life. And so when we pray as Jabez did, let your hand be on us. We are inviting God's hand, a hand of power and anointing to come on us. He has the power to change things. I'm going to need a few more amens, okay? Or I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be, I'm telling you now, it's just going to be longer, right? Because every time I hear an amen, that gives me permission to move to the next paragraph, okay? So if, if you want to be long, just be quiet, okay? Right. So he is the one who has the power to change things. Amen, come on, to break things, to empower things in your life that we cannot do on our own. So do you or someone that you love need right now a miracle? You need to, yeah, I mean, people need miracles. We need miracles. Ours is a God of miracles. Are you feeling weak? Are you feeling in need of rescue? I don't know what's going on. Get your life put back in the right place. Maybe, I mean, things are going fine, but you just know your life is not where it should be. God, with his hand, can do that. Maybe you need to overcome fear and anxiety or someone you love to. More effective in your gospel communications with others. Who doesn't want that? Maybe you need healing in your body or your mind or your spirit. He's a healing God. Maybe you need provision right now. You know, you need God to come and reach, meet your needs out of his great riches. Well, when we pray this prayer, that God would bless us and put his hand on us. He is more than willing to come into all of those areas and more with power and anointing. Uh, power to change those things, power uh, beyond what we can do, and we'll come to this in the prayer in a minute or two, but his power in our lives. Oh Lord, would you rest your hand on me, your mighty, powerful hand, that there might be change and redemption and you know, provision and healing in my life too. But it's also for anointing, anointing for his calling on your life. And I don't know what that is. I don't really know you very well, um, but you will know what God has called you to, I'm sure. Have you got a track in your life? You know that that's where God wants you to 
to serve and to be, whether it be as a teacher or a pastor or a um, retired person, as a grandparent, a parent, I mean, anything that you do can be God's place of anointing for you. Uh, he, his calling on your life, He wants to provide anointing for that. And what that means is that you're not just doing what you're doing in your own strength, but you're doing what God wants done in His strength and with His capacity and His power. We see this in all the heroes of the faith, men and women who heard the call of God, they asked for and received an anointing of the Holy Spirit's power and grace. And when that's true for you, it's going to change tomorrow. This is a game changer. Because when you go to the office tomorrow, you're going not as, oh, well, I was anointed yesterday because I was serving in church. That was where my anointing lies. It might be, but, but you're anointed as God's person in your office. Did you know that? In your school, your university, uh, in the shopping places that you go, in your neighborhood as you bump into your friends and family, maybe even people you don't know. God has an anointing for you where he places you. It's not all about, you know, a, a single narrow thing. Wherever God has placed you, he wants to anoint you. Now, interestingly enough, for me at least, I, I like words and I like how they play out, but I get super annoyed with technology. I don't know about you. I like tech. I've got it everywhere. But when I ever, I'm known in my family as the one who always sends text and WhatsApp messages which are unreadable uh, because when I type them, the autocorrect thing does its thing and it never says the, the message that is in there. Right. So I sent, away, I sent a message to my wife who had gone shopping the other day, uh, and she said as she went out the door, anything you need? And I said, nah. But she was two minutes out the door, and I thought of something. Anyway, I sent three text messages, one after another, because this self-correcting thing was changing it. She didn't have no clue what I wanted, right? I still didn't get through there. Now, anyway, when I was typing up, I, was, uh, I typed to a friend saying, I'd like you to pray for me for this weekend, because I want to do a, a message about power and anointing. Oh, man. Text correct doesn't like the word anointing, okay? The word anointing is translated by my phone as annoying, okay? <laughs> so, uh, I was like, yeah, I've got to give them power and annoying, okay? Uh, okay, uh, so that's good. Anyway, yeah, well, the fact is that, this is what I got out of this. The fact is that if we don't walk in the anointing of God for what he's called us to do, we will just be annoying, Okay, you, you're going to be walking and annoying. Okay, you're going to be bugging people, right? Because you're going to be doing what God might have called you to do, but you're going to be doing it in your own strength, and that will only annoy. Okay, uh, I don't know what God thinks about it, but I think he'd be annoyed as well because he's made a provision for us to walk in power and anointing. Oh God, would you let your hand, would you let your hand be on me and on you for anointing, for capacity, for what he's called you to? Well, uh, now, I'm watching the time, but I've just been recently reading this book. I, 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 I was reading it online, and then I ordered it, and it arrived yesterday just in time to do some research for today. This book is called Glory in the Glen. Okay, now, this does not sound very exciting when I read out the subtitle, but it's okay. A History of Revivals in Scotland. I have to say it with a kind of Highland accent like that. The History of Revivals in Scotland, 1880 to 1940. Okay. Did you like that? Okay. Now, anyway, I was liking that because what I love to do when I'm traveling around Scotland with, with Heather and we're going different places and, and we're trying to do the scenic tourist thing and all that as well while we're up here, um, is I like to look up the place that we're going to and find out what went on revival-wise. So I was doing that for this coast just yesterday. 
wow. I don't know if you guys know it, but this coast down here of which you're part of has been the host of revival upon revival upon revival. And in fact, in this book, it was telling me that the best recorded and detailed recording of a revival in Scotland ever happened in 1908 down this coast from you down towards air. It's amazing reading. I, I'm, good. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting any benefit cash back or anything like that from the book, um, but it is awesome. Right, 1908, okay, some of you might have been around then, I don't know, but 1908, there was a church just down there on the north side of Ayr, right, which was dead on its feet, that's what the leader said, I can't see any life in it at all, but they got on their knees and they believed God for something new to happen there. In November of 1907 to February of 1908, that one congregation, which was 30 people who prayed had 375 converts, right? People who came to faith. I'm like, well, what? Do it again. Do it again. Do it in press week. Do it in, I'm, I'm going to show up my ignorance of the geography. Do it anywhere, okay, around this area. But God's hand was on them. You see, if we try and do that ourselves, we'll just be exhausted, honestly. But we have to position, I'm inviting you to position yourself so that in your individual life, the life of your home group or the life of your church here, the your life of your serving team, you're actually asking the Lord to put his hand on you. It's a game changer. It changes absolutely everything because when his hand is on you, amazing things can happen. And there's good reason for those amazing things to happen. If, if any nation needed it, our nation needs it now. You know, Father God, we need you to come and turn this nation and does first into your people. Power and anointing for God's calling. Maybe I'll come back sometime and talk more about what's going to happen, I believe, in those kind of areas. So anyway, back to Jabez, okay? Let your hand be upon me and uh, keep me from harm. That's a lovely prayer, isn't it? Um, God's hand is also a hand of guidance and protection. Now, I don't know about this area, but I know Scotland enough. I know West Scotland enough. I know my own town of Hamilton enough to know that there's a lot of pain around. And in fact, um, it can't be avoided. You know, uh, Jesus himself said, um, there, there is going to be trouble in the world, but don't panic because I have overcome the world. So there's pain for us uh, to understand there's pain for us to go through from time to time. Maybe you identify with that right now or someone that you love, you can just identify with that. But this lovely prayer is a prayer to keep us out of trouble. It's a prayer to ask God to do that very thing. And this is a wonderful encouragement to me, and I pray it'll be an encouragement to you too. You know, when I think about the troubles that, uh, bef I mean, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor of a church, I've been for nearly 40 years. When I, I sit with people and I find some of the kind of trials and troubles that people um, find themselves in, sometimes those troubles are caused by um, themselves. You know, you, you ever been there? You've you know, been in situations when, and I know you have never done, okay, it must just be me, okay, I'm not getting a lot of love in the room here right now. Um, there, there must be situations when actually my decisions or lack of decisions, my actions or lack of action gets me into bother and gets me into pain. It's kind of, it's almost like self-inflicted, but very often we blame God and say, well, yeah, God did this and God did that, but often it's our decisions. Equally, we have, the Bible tells us we've got an enemy who wants to harm us, who 
wants to come, uh, you know, to, uh, he, Jesus wants to bring life and vitality. Our enemy wants to come and to steal, kill, and destroy everything good that is there. Now, you know, oh, do you understand all this? Here is a little, I'm going to give you a wee tool, okay, which I find is really helpful in understanding this prayer and what am I actually praying for? So, techie person, you just press the button, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Uh, it's a little road. Imagine, yeah, this is a cross section of a road, right, with a ditch on one end and a ditch on the other side, you know, a little kind of crown in the road. Is that, I know it's a, not a brilliant image, but you get the idea of it. So, on one side, we've got the ditch of our own making. Uh, that's the things that we do that get ourselves into trouble. Uh, that's our own muck-ups, you know, we, the school of wisdom and consequences and all that stuff is on one side. And then the other ditch is the ditch that the enemy digs for us, as I said, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy all good things out of our life. So what I think when I hear this prayer of Jabez about God's hand being on me is that he's drawing us up to the very crown of the road. Does that make sense? So the crown of our road is the place of blessing. So when I'm saying, God, would you let your hand be on me for protection? I'm, I'm asking him, keep me out of the trouble that I'll get myself into by my own foolishness or stupidity sometimes, let's be, let's be honest. Uh, we, we've all, we all make mistakes and, and end up in that ditch. But also keep me well protected from my enemy. That's why we pray on one side. We pray the Lord's Prayer. And we say, lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. On one side and on the other side, we pray, Lord, let your whole armor be on me so that I am protected. I hope this is making sense. You see, it's so easy just to say, oh, let, you know, yeah, pray the prayer of Jabez and we'll be, we'll be full of health. But actually, we need to understand what we're asking God to do. Keep us out of our own stupidity and also keep us out of our enemies and let us walk right down this path of blessing. And I want to pray that and declare that over your life and mine, that from this moment on, whatever ditch you're prone to, that right now your life is going to be more and more right up the center here on the crown of this road, that those that you love, your family, your friends, your neighbors, and so on, that are getting into all sorts of other, I pray that they'll get themselves up into this place of blessing where God's hand is on you, where God's hand is on them. Who wants that? Come on. Let your hand be with me, God. And so our time is coming to a conclusion here. And so really what I just want to do is ask, answer a, ask a question, answer a question. So how do we avail ourselves of this power, this anointing, this guidance, this protection? Well, 1 Peter 5 and 6 it gives a great clue. It says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. 1 Peter 5, 6. I'm going to ask the worship leader just to come back and, and help me here because I want us to kind of lead into a time of prayer and ministry. Uh, I, want to, I, want to, I really do, I said it earlier, this is not a theoretical thing. I, I, when I first went to church at 16, if it had been theoretical, I wouldn't have gone back. Honestly, I went to the Salvation Army Hall in East Kilbride. It seated about 40, and there were about 80 people in it. It was absolutely rammed. Okay, but what was going on there was phenomenal. My father was sat next to me. It was his fault that we were there. He had dragged us there. My father was an alcoholic. Uh, all of his money, he had a good, he, he was a he was able to keep our job down, so he had kind of good money coming into the house, but none of it was translated into the house. He's told this his testimony many times before. He's now in glory. 
And, but my father sat next to me, having forced us as a family. It really forced us to go because he had promised someday that he would go. He'd met a Salvationist in the pub, and he said, well, I'll definitely come tomorrow. And so he got us all up Sunday morning. For the very first time I'd been in church in my life, I sat next to my father. And this thing was bonkers, absolutely insane. I had not a clue what they were on about. But one thing happened there that really shook me. And when the preacher got to the end of the message, as is in the Salvation Army's kind of practice, they have a prayer place at the front, and they just said, um, if anybody wants to know Jesus, come at the front. And before, I, I was like, what's going on here? My father was on his feet, and he literally ran to the front, and he threw himself on the thing, the, the pr- pr- place of prayer, penitent form as they called it, with such a loud bang that everybody just like went off their chairs about two feet. I heard my father sob and give his life to Jesus. And he was completely and totally, completely and totally, utterly cured from his addiction. He never touched drink again in his life. Uh, he had lots of other things he had to work through in his life. So I'm not, you know, he would say himself it wasn't not easy after that, but it was a complete transformation. Now, why am I telling you that? Because this, that God is the God of now. That what Jesus did, Jesus does. When we open our hearts to him and say, Lord, let your hand be on me, he can change things. This is not theory. This is life. This is real. I said, if I'd sat there and it was all theory, I would never have gone back. But I had a living testimony, and I'm slow to the uptake. It took me six months to get around to it myself and to see that kind of thing there. So right now, Holy Spirit of God, I just invite you to invite him to come close to you. Invite him to come and lay his hand on you. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. 